1: You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando
0: Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is June 5th, 2017. My name is Philip Rossman-Reich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. I hope everyone had a fantastic weekend. Uh, Not having to play with nine men would be preferable, but uh, such is the case when Ted Uncle is the official. Um, that's some Orlando City jokes for, for those of you who don't know, uh, on today's episode of Lockdown Magic, I'm going to do a quick recap of game two of the NBA finals since that's in the news and is NBA relevant and important. Uh, and then I'm going to play some catch up here with some of the draft profiles, uh, that we've been doing on OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Get kind of just briefly discuss a couple players, uh, all kind of in the same position grouping, grouping actually, that will, that should be available around the time the Magic pick at 25. Um, we'll, we'll all hit some of the bigger names uh, as the week goes on. But, you know, we're, we're now two full weeks away from the NBA draft. It'll be two weeks from Thursday. Uh, so the draft is coming quickly, and we need to know. You, I mean, you need to know who these guys are. So when the Magic pick them, you're not so disappointed, or you at least know how to react, at least viscerally, at least how I'm going to react viscerally um, at that. Um, before we get started, though, I do want to remind everyone that you can download the Locked On Magic podcast on iTunes, audio-based, or in all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. But you should also be sure to check out Locked Warriors and Locked Cavaliers. I'm going to talk about the NBA Finals for the next four or five minutes or so, but the best place to get your Finals coverage is from Locked On Warriors and Locked On Cavaliers. Like Locked Magic, they are local reporters following their teams with the same kind of detail that I follow the Orlando Magic Imagine that following a team that's actually winning something. Um, so, Locked On Warriors and Locked On Cavaliers is where I go to get my information on these teams as uh, as the finals go on, and it's the best place for you to do so as well. If there's any other teams that you're interested in in the NBA or the NFL, the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered. Just check, just search for Locked On the team you're looking for on iTunes or Audio Boom. That's where you go to get that. Let's talk real quickly about the NBA Finals Game 2. The Golden State Warriors running away from the Cleveland Cavaliers in the second half, just like they kind of did in Game 1. This game was a little bit different, though. Uh, the Cavaliers kept things close in the first half. They, they were still giving up a lot of points to Golden State. Golden State scored 40 in the first quarter. But they kept things kind of close. It was within 8. LeBron James was, domin- was dominating, doing his thing. Kevin Love was having, good, good ge- was having a good game. And it didn't seem to matter in the end. Golden State eventually got that avalanche run that they always seem to find. I mean, everyone knows you are just a couple of shots away, a couple of misses away from the snowball starting to roll down the hill, picking up steam, and all of a sudden you are in a really, really bad situation against Golden State. Kevin Durant was absolutely incredible. He was incredible in Game 1. He was incredible in Game 2. Stephen Curry with his first career playoff triple-double Uh, Just a masterful, masterful second half from Golden State. I mean, Cleveland was doing a lot of good things defensively, and it did not matter. Golden State was taking advantage of every mistake. And that's what Golden State does. This is a very, very good basketball team. Cleveland is a good basketball team, too. But Golden State is clearly in the driver's seat right now. Up up 2-0, obviously. Of course they're in the driver's seat. But every little mistake that Cleveland made, Golden State seemed to take advantage of. And even every mistake they didn't make... Golden State seemed to have an answer for as well. This was a game where not only did Durant and Curry go off, but Klay Thompson had a good game as well. It was just, I mean, you could probably tell, I was at the Orlando City game on Sunday, uh, so I missed a good chunk of this game, so I I, I don't want to say too much that that, that I didn't see. But the the bit that I saw from about the midway point of the third quarter on Just Golden State was just in complete domination mode. And it was a game. It was a close game. It was a 12-point game, 14-point game, heading into the fourth quarter. And all of a sudden, it just went up to 20, 21 points, just like that, just so quickly. And that's what Golden State does. And and Golden State's a good defensive team. Um, and, And even with LeBron being LeBron, being the best player in the world, and having a fantastic game, it wasn't enough. It's not enough to beat this Golden State Warriors team, and it's going to be very, very tough. Now, you know, I I don't want to jump to conclusions and say Golden State's going to sweep. I still like Cleveland to take one game, probably Game Three, but it's not looking good for Cleveland, and, and they've got to figure they've got to get back to the drawing board and figure some things out, and, and may come down to they've got to play their starters really heavy minutes, like heavier minutes than they're used to playing, LeBron might have to go 48 in every game the rest of the way, and that is unfair to ask of anybody, especially with the depth Golden State has. It is unfair to ask LeBron James to have to go 48 minutes, but I think that's the direction the Cavaliers are headed. I really do, and I think they got to find a way to make sure there's at least one starter, one of those big three players in the lineup at all times, and they need to give them the ball and let them go. Um, Maybe that's what Golden State wants. Maybe Golden State wants to turn it into kind of an isolation game, but Cleveland... Cleveland is a good team. They make good passes. They take good shots. They make threes. And even when they did that against Golden State in Game 2, it didn't matter. It's a really, really, really just dominant performance from Golden State in these first two games of the NBA Finals. Certainly not the series, well, not completely the series I expect. I expect Game 1 to be kind of an outlier one way or the other, I wasn't sure what to expect with the layoff that the teams had. Expected Game 2 to be a little bit closer, but for Golden State to win. So maybe the series has gone about as we expected. Game 2 was closer, but not close like I thought it would be. Game 3 is the turning point. If Cleveland is going to have any chance in this series, obviously going down 3-0, no team has ever come back from 3-0. Then again, no team had ever come back from 3-1 in the NBA Finals before. But if Cleveland is going to have, going to win this series, they have to win Game 3. And it's got that typical Game 3 vibe about it. The emotions of coming home. The emotions of of ha- uh, of having your back against the wall. That's all going to play into it. Golden State does have a tendency to get a little cocky and full of themselves. This is a focus team, though. It's going to be really, really tough to win Game 3. But Cleveland has got to do it if they want any chance of winning this series. Again, the best place to get ready for Game 3, which is Wednesday night, is to check out Locked On Warriors with Danny Larue as well as Locked On Cavaliers with Chris Manning. They both do a fantastic job covering their teams. I highly suggest you download those podcasts to get yourself ready for NBA Finals Game Three. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks.
1: It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year right now. Buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is nine ninety-nine. And our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood
0: Ace. See participating stores for details. All right, we're going to turn our attention back now to the Orlando Magic and the NBA draft. As we all know, the Magic have four picks in this draft, including two in the first round. We started last week. With our player profiles, I did Juwan Evans and Jason Tatum. You can go back into the archives and listen to those more detailed player profiles about who these players are and what to expect from them. I, I think my original plan was to was to do one every day, but that ended up not being the plan, so I'm going to play a little bit of catch up because I, I, I've done a lot over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. If you want full draft player profiles, I highly suggest you go to OrlandoMagicDaily.com and check those out. We'll be doing lots of draft coverage. We'll be doing one draft player profile every day until the NBA draft. So, expect something like that like this here. Um we'll I'll talk a little bit more about some of the guys that the Magic are looking at at 6 um as we get to them uh here uh, on the show. So, you know, we a lot of the focus today is on the guys at the end of the draft at 25, maybe even 33, 35 that I want to highlight real quick. Um all of them a lot of them are are power forward centers. There's a lot of Kind of tweener four fives or tweener three fours uh, at the back end of this first round, which is, I think, kind of a need for the Magic. I think the Magic do need to get a, a stretch four off the bench or a more traditional, or just have a traditional power four, just to have a traditional power four. Obviously, they, they seem very set at center with Nikola Vucevic and Bismack Biombo, so that's not a huge need. But you take the talent that's available, you take the best player available in your estimation. Um, I I think at 25, Orlando does need to get a player who can contribute pretty quickly, and I think that they can find some of that. So let's go through some of these players that the Magic could be looking at. I'm going to start with Ivan Rabb. Rabb is a really, really interesting prospect, a really uh, talented player. Entering last year's draft, he was projected to be a lottery pick, but he decided to return to Cal Cal for his sophomore year. His numbers kind of stagnated, though. He didn't really take a huge step forward. And so while he has good size and he averaged a double-double and he's a good rebounder and he's got good touch around the basket, there is questions about just how much he can improve because virtually, statistically, he didn't really improve very much his sophomore year at California. What Rab does well is is he puts in numbers. He's a, he's a good rebounder, able to, to to get boards around the basket, he um, can step out a little bit and hit a jumper, has some good touch around the, rim, around the basket. He is very much your traditional power forward. But that lack of progression this year is concerning. And, and he's not an otherworldly rebounder. He's about 19% defensive, uh, defensive rebound rate, which is good, not great. I mean, rebounding is usually something that translates, so it does suggest that, that he'll be able to rebound at the next level. But... It's, it's not otherworldly. I mean, I, I brought up Kenneth Fareed as an example. Kenneth Fareed had like a 30-something percent rebound rate at the college level. He was the leading rebounder in the country. You know, you get a rebound rate up in the 20s, 25, you're looking at at an elite rebounder at the college level. He's, he's right on the border there. And of course, only 17 players in college basketball last year averaged a double-double, and Ivan Rab was one of them. So when we get back to Rab, the question is, how was he going to score? So a lot of his points did come on putbacks. A lot of what he did um, was kind of uh, behind the scenes or, or very low key. He wasn't someone you you threw the ball into and let him post up. He he wasn't that style of a player. Um, but Rab Rab has talent. There's no doubt about that. I mean, he's he's got talent. He's got ability, but he hasn't quite turned it into anything that looks very translatable to the NBA and that's where the weaknesses lie granted he's just a sophomore so he still should have some room to grow and the fact that he didn't grow this year is concerning but not overly concerning at 25 Rab is certainly a value pick from a talent perspective question is whether he translates to the next level I think he's a little undersized to play center doesn't have the jumper to play power forward at the NBA level and so those questions remain. Another interesting prospect that I want to chat about is DJ Wilson of Michigan. Wilson is one of those uber athletes that that catches people's eye and seems ready to take the next step, especially if he gets into the NBA and into the right right system or right feel. Uh, Wilson. Kind of came out of nowhere. He's he's a right He was a redshirt sophomore at Michigan. Didn't get a lot of minutes his first two years. Obviously, he redshirted one of those years, but didn't get a lot of minutes. Then all of a sudden, he just got a ton of minutes last year and just showed off his crazy athleticism. He's got good length. He should be a good defender at the next level, um, as well. Um, kind of a again, kind of a tweener four. He's got to improve his his offense and his jump shooting. He's not a great jump shooter. He's not a great scorer outside of putbacks. And, and kind of cutting to the basket, which which is fine at the college game. He's able to use his athleticism at the college game, but not going to be able to create much on his own. Um, he, you know, I, you like him for his upside. You like him because he's got length. He should be a good defender. He should continue to grow into a, a solid player. But how, how long is it going to take for him to put it all together? He's He's not like some of these freshmen. He's a junior. He's essentially a true junior. So what? how how much more can he develop, and what more can he bring? He had a breakout season last year. He's climbing up draft charts with the way that he played at the Combine and the way that he measures out, and he's got all the athleticism, he's got all the length that you would want. It's just about the development it's going to take to get him there in the end. The next player I'm going to talk about, I'm going to save the, that one guy for the end, uh, is Tyler Lydon of Syracuse, kind of like DJ Wilson. Big big time athlete, can finish above the rim, can get to can uh, can can cut to the basket and finish there. Um he is more of a stretch four. When Leiden is uh Leiden is able to to roll to the rim, sky for sky for dunks, which is good, and he's also able to pop out and hit threes. So that that gives him an added dimension. He was a good three-point shooter at Syracuse last year. Um he he's got a lot of that a lot of that athleticism that you want. Where he really struggles is putting the ball on the floor. He's not going to be able to take anyone off the dribble. He's not going to be able to, to score for himself. He needs others to set him up and if he's not open, even taking one dribble knocks him out of rhythm. He's really, I think Draft Express said he was uh, shooting like 29% off the dribble. Not a good off the dribble shooter. On top of all this, he's coming from Syracuse. Uh, the 2-3 zone that they play is good for a lot of things. It's good for them. good for them, but no one really knows how he translates defensively. He's got good uh, lateral quickness. He showed that at the combine and some of the agility drills that they do. Doesn't have a lot of great length, though, and no one is really sure how he defends. If he can prove he can be a knockdown three-point shooter and be a true stretch four, he'll have value in this league, especially with the athleticism factor that he has. Not a lot of stretch fours have athleticism to also roll to the basket and and sky for dunks. That's just not how they're built. Uh, So he has a role if he can prove that he can hit that shot if he can prove that he can take that next step it's a big it's it's a big big question I think it really is is a question but I think it's one that he can answer magic had him in for a workout uh, last week um as was reported by by several outlets involved with Syracuse um and so it does seem like he could be a player that really is able to take that next step that can that can put pushes push aside some of those doubts uh and be an, an interesting prospect for any NBA team. Next guy I'm going to talk about is, uh, is uh, I don't know if it's Iker or Ike. and 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 I might uh, you know I don't want to dive too deep into that but it's probably you know a little st- little bit of stereotyping on my part to say Ike. Um I should really check the pronunciation of that and so I'm going to pause and actually check the pronunciation of his name because I don't even think I could pronounce his last name so give me two seconds here okay I, I, as I promised I paused it I'm back. I just checked UCLA's website. It is Ike Anibogu. Ike Anibogu. Um, He is a really, really intriguing center prospect from UCLA. Did not play a lot for the Bruins last year. About 13 minutes per game. Averaged only four points and four rebounds. So the statistics are not that impressive. What is impressive is his upside. He was a freshman at UCLA, so he's got a lot of room to grow. He seems to have all the physical tools... And physical attributes that you would want out of a center. He can block, the one thing that he does really well is he blocks shots. About 1.2 blocks per game in 13 minutes per game. He is an athletic rim protector. That is his big skill right now. He's also able to finish um, at the basket, at the rim, pretty easily. He's got a very rudimentary game you're drafting him for his future for what he can become. Um uh, NBA draft.net compares him to Bismack Biyombo for whatever NBA draft.net's comparisons are worth. Ike Anibogu uh, can it, it has a lot of that upside. You can see it in the way that he plays that if he if he can get some skills and put it all together, he can be a really solid center in the league even at his size. Where he struggles still is with fouls. That's why he didn't see the court very much at UCLA. He averaged 7.2 fouls per 40 minutes. So in 13 minutes, he was getting 13 minutes per game. He was was fouling two or three times per game. That's not a good sign for for a player that's going to make his name on the defensive end. So while he can block shots and and go from the weak side, he is not going to be able to defend very many people one-on-one. Doesn't have a post game. Doesn't have great footwork, but I would say he has good hands. I, I think that he catches the ball really, really well and is able to finish at the basket extraordinarily well, too. So he, to me, is a really, really intriguing center prospect. He is a high-talent, high-upside guy. It's just going to take a little bit of time for him to develop, and that's where I, I, I'm not sure the Magic are there to make that ri- take that risk yet. I think they want to bring in someone that's going to be ready to contribute off their bench this year. And, of course, with Biombo and Vucevic, it's going to be tough for Anibogu to find minutes if he, if the Magic were to draft him, honestly, Anibogu would be a perfect candidate to go to Erie, go to not Erie to Lakeland for the year, spend some time seasoning in the D League, get better, and move on from there. If I'm the Magic, I he is a first round talent. Don't get me wrong. I don't know if I spend a first round pick on him because it's gonna you're going to be spending a lot of the, the 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 three the five years of that rookie contract that guaranteed rookie contract developing him. And there's no guarantee he's going to get there, especially at the NBA level. I kind of would have liked to see him go back to UCLA, continue to improve his skills, continue to get better against weaker competition, You know, get a chance to terrorize the Pac-12 a little bit in the post, instead of having to go into the NBA where he's going to find it very, very difficult to stand out in the same way. The last prospect I'm going to talk about on today's show to catch us up is a, a foreign prospect, Rodion's Kourouks. He's from Latvia, latest latest uh, product from Latvia. He played for the uh, for FC Barcelona's second division team, so he wasn't even on the main team. Had a decent average, nine and a half points, two some two point something rebounds. You know, not a bad showing from him. This guy is really really intriguing, though. If, if you watch a little bit of him play, uh, he has a lot of lot of skills, I have to say. Um he's got the physical makeup of a basketball player. Um you can see that he runs the floor very, very naturally. Um he's really you give him space, he's going to take it and, and get a good shot. I mean I think that's what's really impressive about him. You leave him open, he'll make a three. You you give him space, he's gonna attack the basket and finish hard. He's got good athleticism. Um he is part of Latvia's kinda of, I guess this is Latvia's golden generation between team Porzingis uh, and and now Kuruks as well he, he he's got good instincts in the post he's a he's a three four he's a six eight um player um, he's got good instincts in the post he's got good defensive instincts overall he's got just he's just he, he has good basketball sense overall he's just not very good quite yet outside of transition play put him in a half court setting slow the game down force him to break down a defense he's not gonna be able to do it and again, he hasn't played very much against high level competition. playing for Barcelona's second division team. he's playing against a lot of young guys. so you know unlike you know Mario Zoni, who's on the senior team for FC Barcelona, didn't get a lot of playing time there. Kuruk has got a lot of playing time, nine points, two and a half two point seven rebounds um, per game. They got playing, he got playing time and he was okay. His shooting was okay, not great. And it's because I think he struggles a little bit in the half court setting. On top of all this, there's are signs that that he'll be okay. At the FIBA, uh, uh, you know, when when you look at international guys, we tend to look at their 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 international competitions against their peers, like the U16, U17, U18 tournaments, rather than their pro their pro careers, because most likely their pro careers they're they're a playing against men. And they're not; they may not quite be ready for that. And their minutes are going to be limited, just like his minutes were kind of limited in, in the situation that he's in. So, at the 2014 U16 European Championship, he averaged 13.4 points and 5.9 rebounds per game. That is encouraging that he's at least competitive with his peers. No one's expecting him to be a star. Um, everyone's kind of you. You kind of expect him to to play a role to to add something to the team, um, and and he can maybe play the role of facilitator a little bit, but. Kourouks is a long way away. If you're drafting Kourouks, you're probably going to stash him in Europe. You're probably going to let him continue playing for Barcelona for a few more years to, to, to get better, to improve his skills, to, to get more experience, especially at, high, at a high level. It is a huge risk to take Kourouks. I won't lie. There is a lot to like about the kid. Um, it, it does look like he has some NBA skills and that he can get better. But it's going to take some time. It's not there yet. Um, and and I, you could say that about a lot of these guys uh, in the NBA draft process. Um, they're just young. They, they they need a lot of time to grow. And especially at 25, the risks are even higher. That's why kind of like when I that's why kind of I'm saying at 25, the magic need to make sure they get a player that they believe can contribute fairly quickly. Um, and, and of the guys that, that that I've talked about today, I'm not sure any of them fit the bill. Um, certainly not Kuruks. Uh If anyone, uh, Ivan Rab or DJ Wilson might Wilson. I think. Kind of knows who he is. He he tried to do a little too much at Michigan, but I think in the NBA, he'll he'll be able to accept his role a little bit better. Um, But he's an athlete. He can play defense. I think that's a valuable skill. Um, He'll have to continue improving his shooting. Tyler Lydon, I think, also could probably come in and play a role immediately as a stretch four. Um, But a lot of these guys are very, very, very raw. And they have to continue developing uh, to 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 become the useful players that the Magic need. So that's going to do it for, for those those draft profiles. A lot of guys that we would pick at twenty five. Um, you know Wilson, Rab, uh, Kurucs, Leiden, and, and Anibogu. Um, all interesting players to say the least. Um, players that, that would go at twenty five. We're going to continue on with these uh, with these player profiles. As we move on, as we get closer to the NBA draft, which of course is in two weeks, two weeks from Thursday, so get excited for that. That's going to do it for today's episode of Lockdown On Magic. I want to thank you all for joining us today on the on the show. We'll have plenty more to come this week about the draft, a couple other things that we want to get to, hoping to hoping to have a guest on um, to talk about talk about a, a post that was up on OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Uh, late last week as well, so plenty to get to, plenty to talk to here about the Magic as we inch closer and closer to the NBA draft. I want to remind everyone, of course, you can follow us on Twitter at Locked Magic, as well as like us on Facebook at Locked Magic. You can follow me on Twitter at OMagicDaily, Magic Daily, as well as like Orlando Magic Daily on Facebook at Orlando Magic Daily. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out Orlando Magic Daily dot. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. I will see you all again tomorrow on another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.